This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We get it. Distractions happen. That's why we designed the fully electric, full-sized Volvo EX90 with the latest technology to keep you and those around you safe. Its two-sensor driver understanding system is designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Reserve your Volvo EX90 today. Learn more at volvocars.com US. My name is Joe McGrath and welcome to the Manchester Football Social. This is the Wednesday Club. The red and blue come together for an hour and tackle the biggest talking points in football. Uh, to the blue side, I've got from Forever Blue, the wonderful Ian Cheeseman with the come biggest on smile on his face I have ever seen. Uh, and obviously the red side, with either Alex Boardman or Steve Shanyaski. And we've got the gorgeous Steve with us uh, today. Hello. And am I smiling? No, you're not smiling. And we'll sure to get into that. Uh, the Wednesday Club with you till 7pm today. We're going to be discussing the biggest talking points, including the new Premier League boss. Uh, as well as international break with Wayne Rooney returning to the England. England. It's a small matter of the Wednesday club dissecting the derby. Now, I know it happened on Sunday, and many of you thinking, OK, it's done, um, let's move on. And we've had the Monday show, and we had Forever Blue last night. <laughs> but, but I want to bask in it more. This is I the first time that the Wednesday club have been sat in a room together and yeah. ready to talk about the Manchester derby. Um, so, I mean, gentlemen, who would like to go first? Me, Steve. me. Let, let go first. <laughs> cheese master go first. <laughs> Cheeky cheeseman. Easy, easy, easy. That was what the fans were singing after the game, uh, and, and and I've got to say, in all the derbies I've seen, that was pretty easy. Uh, there was a couple of points where United, fa- sorry, City fans were saying about United, you know, oh, I fear that they'll come back into this. But I genuinely there didn't was think, though there was a, well, there was a few, there was about ten minutes in the first half and about twenty minutes in the second half. Is that when they didn't have a shot <laughs> exactly then. But this is yeah exactly then. But you may continue for now. Yeah, well, as I say, I didn't. I'm sad <laughs> yeah, I, no. I watched a lot of obviously watched a lot a lot of City games over two thousand and now I'm getting used to this thing where you sit there and the pulse doesn't race, the stomach doesn't churn. You just sit there and it's like watching. Uh, a master at work. It's like watching Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel or something. It's just, you, you, there's no jeopardy in it. You're just enjoying it. Now, this might not last forever, 
I'm not stupid. It won't last forever. But at the moment, all you do is bask in it. And this is the first derby where I've gone along thinking, no problem, we'll win today. Comfortable victory. It'll be just like all the others. And you know what? It was. Domination of possession. Obviously, that's 44 past goal just summed it all up for me. Yeah. Uh, but the whole thing was just was, was just lovely. Just sat there, just relaxed. And Did you it. put any money on it? I don't think you I don't bet. Did you? I don't right. Bet. Oh, this is a shame because I would want to know if anyone had any slight slight doubt that United were possibly going to win it. I well, mean, if you want, if you want an accumulator with the most insane odds, you you put United to win that game. <laughs> so, so you know what I mean. Fulham winning the Premier League with Ranieri is supposed to be five thousand to one, isn't it? And yeah. People have been saying, ah, because of what happened at Leicester, I'm going to put a few bob on that. I think you would have got longer odds for United to win oh. that derby. Steve, it is as bad as Ian paints it out for it's, Manchester United. The trouble is, I'm not only hurting, but I feel like I'm a lone voice because United fans are like, oh, it's okay, everything's fine, you know, we'll finish top four. We're not supposed to be finishing top four. We're supposed to be competing to be the best team, not only in the Premier League, but in the world, in the European, you know, in the mm-hmm. Europeans, and everything like that. Everything about United has been forgotten about what... They, they've managed to undo everything Fergie did in about six years. And the one thing that's driving me absolutely insane... Well, there's loads of things, but the one thing is, right, Mourinho just isn't getting on page with it at all. It's been proven now, time and time again, this season, constantly through last season, that his technique, his style of management at the moment is not going to beat the likes of City or possibly like Liverpool now because he's ju- just... It just feels like his techniques are archaic. And the one thing I can liken it to, you know the Fosbury flop, yeah? This oh, is yeah, you're yeah. completely going to curve High jump in this, high jump. The high jump, Fos- Dick Fosbury invented the Fosbury flop What's in the Olympics. This? No. Listen, listen, listen. I don't know listen, what it is. Listen, but I'm going to explain it okay, to you. Okay, sorry. So before the Fosbury flop, you know you know when you watch, <laughs> listen, mate, listen, get on, get on board, right? You know when you watch the high jump yeah. and everyone does that weird backflip over it? Back in, before 1968, everyone jumped over it head first. Head first. And you can imagine what Great a, analogy what this, a ridiculous know. thing that must have been now to us. But at the time, that was the way he did it. Dick Fosbury applies a bit of science. A bit, he, was, he was an engineer or something, and he works out to maintain the low gravity. You can do a backflip, and you can easily clear. He wasn't even the tallest high jumper. He just had the best technique to achieve what he wanted, Right. And it strikes me, as the years went on over the next three years, everyone got on board with the Fosby flop. But there was one guy, there must have been one guy. No, no, there must have been one guy that said, I'm going to still do it the old way. And then eventually he succumbed and realised that the Fosby flop was the way. Mourinho is that one guy that's still jumping headfirst over the fence and not getting on board with the Fosby flop. He is not... He is not getting on page of it, and, it, and it's been proven now that it just will not work. Only two of his signings were on the pitch. He's lost his touch completely as far as I'm concerned. I totally agree with Steve, and I'll tell you what, I went to watch Berry last night, right? Berry played Fleetwood, and I sat there in the stand. This is Berry in the Checker Trade Trophy, right? Associate yeah. Members Cup, whatever. And, and they were basically reserve teams playing, and I sat there and watched it and thought, God, football's changed. They were playing, they were doing the Fosbury flop. Even at checker trade <laughs> trophy level. What, the tick attack of passing and all that stuff, do you mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Playing it out from the back, playing it through midfield, yeah. uh, in and around the penalty area. All right, some of the people who were at a game last night will go, what, what is he on saying all that? Listen, the style of football is what I'm talking about. They couldn't execute it 
as well as the, the Premier League guys can do. But they were trying to play that way and they've all worked out now that that is the only way forward, particularly on the well-manicured pitches that we have, the changing rules that the referees and, and officials have brought in, because it's a lot less physical now. Uh, that is the way you have to play. I mean, we had Andy Morrison last night on on Forever Blue and listen to the podcast if you're not listening to it. Great bit of analysis. And he was talking about he was an uncultured centre-back and he'll admit that himself. And he lived, he played in an era back in 1999 where you went, bam, like that. And yeah. you, you took players out. Yeah. City did that 44-pass move in the derby. Yeah. And if that had been 10 years ago, if that had been Mourinho and his pomp, or even Fergie when he was in charge, there's no way City would have been allowed to pe- to pass that around 44 yeah, times. They would have got stuck in. Somebody United would have got bam, absolutely stuck a keen, in. I'm not condoning it, by the way, and yeah. I actually like it, the fact that it's changed. But you think Roy Keane or Paul Scholes would have let that happen and wouldn't have gone, bam, not having that. I mean, they got upset. Matter got a little bit upset when... The perception was that Raheem Sterling was was taking the mickey. You know a what? Bit. He needs to just deal with that because I watched that and I thought, fair play to him. They're in a little triangle, mm-hmm. proving that even a little three can beat six play. They had, I think they had about six six United six of our team round three City players near the end of the game, and they could not get the <clears> ball <throat> out of that triangle off that triangle. What, how, no matter how hard they tried. And now the people are saying, oh, Matt is upset about it. Well, he needs to deal with it. He needs to get that, that anger. Right. He needs to get that anger and put it in the training ground and put it back on the pitch You're and focus right. himself. You're dead right. I'm agreeing with you again. But all I'm saying is in a bygone era, which is the, what you're referring somebody to... Somebody would have post, slid in some, sideways. Rightly up. or wrongly, somebody would have not, not <laughs> so, let that happen. Someone would have done the Fosbury flop on someone them. Someone would have them all out in one go. So <laughs> the game has changed and you have to play this new you have way. To evolve. Evolve. You and have I do to agree with you on, on that way, that the game has changed and you have to play. But there's certain players on Manchester United's team sheet that just weren't good enough, Steve. Oh, my God, right. Did you see Smalling's eyes? I looked at him about 15 minutes in. I think, the mo- yeah, we'd, they'd con- we'd conceded, and I looked at Smalling, and he had the ball, or it was passed back to him, and he looked utterly petrified. I've seen comedians look scared to death when they're doing an open spot at one of the biggest clubs in the country. There's a few of them where all you want is that gig in your in your, uh, um, in your your career. So you, you look they look petrified. Occasionally you get ones that are arrogant, but the petrified ones are the ones you really want to rub because if you take that on stage, you're going to die. It's, it's simple. They see it in your eyes, and it, City players would have seen Smalling's look in his eyes and thought, we are going to annihilate that kid as soon as we get the ball near him. And that just resonates all the way through. De Gea's having bad games. The one thing I think that might be the, the, the most negative outcome of Mourinho's dogged determination to, to continue with this ridiculous, proven, rubbish managing technique that he's got, it's like negative to players, negative to see, negative to all the fans. The one thing that upsets him the most is it's more than likely going to cost us De Gea. And that's what's bothering me the most over everything. Because he's now he looks like he wants to go. Because he wants to. If you're the best keeper in the world, why do you want to play for a team that's currently is it eighth? We're in the season. Yep. We might finish top four. What is that all about? I can't believe you know. If I was a United fan, you know the thing that really annoyed me. There's lots of things that would annoy me at the moment, obviously. But the fact that you're not in the top four, the fact that City have just outplayed you. But what about the fact? And this is what an insult this is to Tottenham, right? But you're below Tottenham. Right, you're below Tottenham. This is the team with no, no, no underbelly. You know the one that everybody. Oh, the you could end up finishing below Tottenham. Yeah, how bad does it get? 
spending more on wages than you are. From what I heard, the statistics. So it doesn't matter. Whatever argument any United fan comes out about our team and stuff like that, we are paying more wages than City are. So something is drastically wrong with our coaching staff, with our um, scouting, massively wrong with Mm -hmm. the scouting, and everything, the whole structure. Like I say, within six years, it seems to be completely undone. We're in a mess. Alex Boardman, all this. No, every United fan, every United fan needs to stop, stop going, oh, but it's United, it's United. We're in big trouble. If we don't if we don't wake up, we're supposed to be going forwards and we've gone backwards. City have gone forwards even further. Now everyone's saying they're even better than last season and all this. United are worse than last season. We got lucky. We got lucky in the uh, the derby when it was whatever it's three two. I mean that that is my issue. We we do we need to wake up massively because So what it's is waking worse. up for you? Is waking up for you meaning change of manager, change Ma- of playing it players. The whole thing seems to the first thing we we gotta get a director of football, something that someone that can oversee what uh, Ed Woodward uh, Ed Woodward's up to because he has got nothing to do with football. He's got not got a football brain. He's just seeing profit, going to the Glazers, rubbing his hands, going, I've made more profit, I've made more profit. But surely, in the long run, who wants to support, you know, like these super these fans that are just glory fans, which is what United is massively think about. We are based on a lot of glory and, a, and an exciting way of playing football over the years. You know, 25 years of Fergie, before that, all the, you know, the tragedy we had and everything that was heartwarming to all the people. This is all getting undone because we're losing and losing badly and we look embarrassing and we're not playing players that we signed and all this. Everything about the whole structure from top to bottom with United needs sorting out. I don't know if Michael Carrick's doing anything. I don't know if Mourinho's really... A ch- he just seems to slag off the players. Oh, and, and then Luke Shaw's having a great season. Do you know what I mean? And that kind of... that 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 goes against everything that you feel in your heart about slagging off your own players. He could achieve... He, surely he could achieve that in the in the background slagging off Luke Shaw. You don't need to do it in public. All these little weird things about United. A whole thing. Mourinho will go at the end of the season. That is an absolute fact. He's never lasted more than three years. Anyone thinks he's going to last longer, you're dreaming. Right. Do you think he'll last to the end of the season? (sighs) That's the toughest question. I I, I think you'd you'd have to get um, a caretaker in because we can't... There's no manager out there right now that's going to jump onto United mid-season right now. I just, I, I, he's going to have to last the season. I can't see it happening any other way. I just think he'll have to stick in and then we'll have to get someone better. But someone, please, for the love of God, just don't get a Galactico signing manager. Get someone that can actually take on this new challenge, this new style of football. Someone that's played FIFA 19, for goodness sake. Because the kids are doing it. Do you think... Bing, bang, bing, bang, bang. That's how they're playing it. They're just bouncing it off everyone. They'll pass back to the other half of the pitch because he's got space. And then that player will run in to the box. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is how the kids... This, yeah, this, this is how City are playing. They're can playing just, like a kid what doing really well at FIFA. Can I just say, um, uh, to quote Alex Boardman, uh, watching Steve in Meltdown... This is the best programme ever. This is the best programme ever. Wait till you... the next derby when you beat us at home. we got to get, get a grip of this. Do you think uh, he'll be there to the end of the season, Ian? Um, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> I hope he's going to be there for quite a while, yeah. Um, I, 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 I agree. I've been, I've, I've been saying this. I mean, obviously, I'm a City fan, so um, I, I want United to lose, and mm. that, that's all part of the 
you know, the banter that we have, isn't it? That's that's the great thing about living in our fantastic city that we have these two teams that go to head head to head. It, it shouldn't go into sort of hatred and venom and violence, but we certainly should have the banter. Yeah, and we should be, you know, want the other team not to do so well, and obviously our team to have all the glory. Yeah, and- I want City to lose. It it for me, it's glorious when they lose. Yeah, but it's becoming more infrequent, and that. That's one of my issues. The other issue is well, it's becoming more frequent for United to be losing. Which is glorious for us, well, isn't it? Well, it's not the best for me, <laughs> is it? <laughs> the best show ever. Uh, this is Excess Manchester. It's Wednesday Club. Um, I mean, we're just going to... This section is about the derby. We'll leave it behind in the past then. Why do we um, have to leave it? I'm sorry. We've got, so we've got other stuff we need to talk about. Um, it, obviously, a high for City to leave the international break uh, coming up. We obviously don't really like an international break. What a way for... City to, to sort of have this time off now, uh, 3-1 win. Um, there's not many lessons Pep needs to learn. He just needs to make sure none of his key players get injured uh, and hopefully everyone returns back for that little Christmas period, which, you know, does get intense. Yeah, the good thing is that David Silva, for example, has retired from international duty. Laporte at the moment isn't involved in the in the internationals. So certain key players that... Uh, you know, hopefully won't be involved, although it sounds horrible because you want, for their sake, them to be involved. And just as crucially, Kevin De Bruyne, who had that second injury problem, is now hoping to return at the beginning of December. This two-week break comes at absolutely the right time to give him the maximum chance to improve as much as possible, ready for his The return. only thing is, it just seems to have a bit of staccato to the Premier League just when we feel like we're getting a bit of momentum and yeah, that you know the, the plot the plot is starting to thicken more and more mm-hmm. we have this weird little break where to be honest with you most people the three people in this room we don't really watch much of the games or we catch up on them and stuff like that and then the seven league games in December how can that be right <laughs> that you, you have three in November and then seven in December what uh, oh yeah exactly for, uh, I do quite love it but for for you, yeah, and in Steve, December, you'll yeah, love it. I love it. It's, right now, it's awful. Yeah, okay, okay. For you, Steve, what happens in this break period? I mean, are you, are you nervous about the return of Manchester United playing we, we've only, Premier we've League o- football? What's your next game? Uh, I had a look. I can't remember. It's um, the 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 only thing is, yes, we might have players that are injured and all that, but we don't even have a start. We again, we don't have a starting eleven. <coughs> again, it's Sorry. changed again. Well, the next so, round of games is obviously they've got Crystal Palace and then there's the Champions League clash against Young Boys, which are United in more of a steadier position now after their win against Juventus. Uh, Southampton and then the next challenge I'd say for United, although Young Boys will be a challenge, uh, I, I guess everything this season is a challenge. Do you know what? That, that's it. Why, why even bother Arsenal saying... Why, why in, even bother uh, saying we've got Arsenal coming up? Because we... We almost lost against Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? This is this is the nightmare that United's in. That it just, whether it's uh, the motivation in the in the changing room or all the rest of it, like we we got to get a grip. The whole system needs to get a grip of itself. So you don't agree with your oppo Alex Boardman, who said after the Newcastle game, quote unquote, <laughs> that's it. This is the kickstart to the season. Not quite worked out like that, has it? I don't, you know, here's the thing that um, I, I can only suggest that it has been a decent run of games for Manchester United since the Newcastle the one. Juventus result. Juventus really, result, Bournemouth yeah, result. It's a great game. Um, however, this is now put, I think, a real dampener on what could have been a positive time for United. It's another reality check. They've been check. brought back down to worth. Yeah. They, they had a bit of positive 
you know, news coming from Bournemouth and they came back from one goal behind. And you think, OK, things are starting to change. But yeah, that's a game against Bournemouth. United should have been winning, no doubt. So why yeah. take a positive from coming from behind? Yeah. The Juventus game could be seen as a bit of a flock with an absolute superb free kick from Mata and then that scrambly goal Is at it the Nat, end. Nat Lofthouse, everyone's likening that goal where you just get you get the ball and you just push everyone in front of you into the net. Because <laughs> it was kind of like that, wasn't it? I mean, it was hardly skillful. It was like <laughs> everyone who's got a face, it, it, it hit them all in the face and then it went in the, back, it of went the, in the back of the it net. It hit two players. They couldn't even work out whose own goal it was. It hit so many players on the way in. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit, it's a total nightmare. And United fans out there thinking even, oh, Pogba wasn't playing, he can't have that. De Bruyne wasn't playing. I'm sorry. I would I would throw Pogba in the bin and take De Bruyne any day. He's he's got and they and they wasn't even playing for him. So my point being, any argument that Pogba weren't playing, they didn't have De Bruyne. It was equal ground. Both teams had an arm tied behind the backs, and we got absolutely annihilated. And we need to wake up. The most Shabbos. worrying thing for United actually is the manner of it. It's not the defeat. It's the manner. It's the fact that they were so. It could have been four or five. And if it had been, you couldn't have really argued with that. No. We're going to leave the derby here now at the door. Ooh, it's no. going to be gone. See you, uh, after. See you derby. Um, thank See you. In a few months. Thank you very much. That was the Wednesday <laughs> club. That was the Wednesday club's uh. take on the derby. We'll move on to um, look at a new Premier League boss is coming into action. She's called uh, Susanna. Uh, and she's got some difficulties facing her. We're going to be dissecting them as well as our team of the week. It is back team of the week where we get uh, just a club from a great Manchester area. Needs a bit of promotion. We'll get them on air. We'll have a chat with him. We'll figure stuff out uh, and they will be coming on the show uh, very soon uh, so stay with the Wednesday Club we'll be right back after this Welcome back to the Wednesday Club my name is Joe McGrath and on the blue side of Manchester today we've got Ian Cheeseman good evening Ian Hello. and on the red Steve Shanyaski <laughs> who's crying yeah, uh, right. the debate right. of the derby was still going on there but we've left it behind yep. and now we're going to talk about the Premier League so uh, the Premier League uh, former boss Richard Scudamore who uh, has been uh, circling the world of Twitter and social media as it's been reported that the Premier League have asked for uh, each club to put forward a quarter of a million pounds towards Should a... Should we have a whip round as well? <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> towards a £5 million pound bonus that they're calling a farewell gift. I would imagine if that happened in every walk of life, it'd be crazy. Uh, that obviously has caused a bit of stir. And we've got a brand new uh, boss in charge of the Premier League. And we're going to be talking about uh, an article... Uh, that the BBC wrote about the 10 challenges that are going to face the new boss. Uh, but let's just start off with Richard Scudamore's uh, proposed <laughs> £5 million goodbye bonus. He wants a quarter of a million pounds off every Premier League team because he's got so much extra money for them through football rights. Is that what we're saying? It's kind of saying that, you know what, I've earned you so much money. Or the Premier League are saying, this man has earned you so much money, please can you give him some of that? I would doubt very much that he was just earning a simple, humble wage while he was doing what he was doing already. I think he's probably... He's on 2.5 million uh, per season. (laughs) (laughs) He can... can, I don't know what I can say on air, but he can absolutely (laughs) go away with that. Go away, mate. That's what I'm saying. Giving to the fans, right... Something out of his wages as his leaving present. Mm -hmm. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. Listen, it's <laughs> like. it's a crazy story. <laughs> what, what, like, Big mug. 
Big Mug. Big yeah, mug everyone gets to love Big Mug. One of them Big Mugs from Sports Direct that you get. This story has not been um, not been taken too kindly on on Twitter and Facebook, saying this is I'm this is surprised. the sole thing or the, one of the reasons that you know football in this day and age is just crumbling. When a man who's on two point five million a year can can get a little five million bonus, is um, he going public with it? I don't know why this story is leaked. I I wonder if anyone's just. Heard that this is the case and and has leaked it, uh, but I think there is a lot of pressure on him now, uh, and maybe he will not get that bonus, or if he does, it will be n- pushed pu- up. Not you would give it up. to charity for goodness' sake, wouldn't you? Mm. Yes. but not a Scudamore based charity. You know, <laughs> always, you know, uh, uh, someone sneaking it away somehow. But yeah, no, give it away, mate. Don't don't even ask for it. So we have a new uh, Premier League t- uh, TV executive, yeah. uh, Susanna Dynage, which that, I got. Is that right? how it's been described as a TV executive? Well, she was, or, she, uh, or is she the chief executive? It says here the new Premier League boss. This right. is on a BBC this is, article. This is, that this I'm is Premier r- League, and I, I know a lad who works for it. And this is this is the company that basically films everything and then is allowed to distribute. You know, say you're on holiday in Dubai or maybe you go on one of your weird little trips that you go on. Butlins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Butlins on tour. And um, you can watch you can watch the footy in Dubai because Premier League have leased it to that country. But you can't watch the three o'clock games in England because of certain rules. And this is what they do. This is what the Premier League do. They This company distribute it all. Well, Susanna's so she, got a very important job. She, but she has come from Discovery Channel slash... Animal Planet. Really? That is her, yeah, I'm telling you, that's Whoa. where she's come from. So the BBC have written a, a good article, which I recommend you check out uh, on their BBC uh, Sports website, and it's about the ten challenges that are going to face uh, Susanna when she comes into her new role next year. Now we're going to go through them, and we're going to some will touch upon more than others. Uh, Let's start with uh, number one, which is the Super League breakaway. Now, have we talked about this in the oh, Wednesday Club? I don't know if we've discussed this. The one, um, can I just I say one thing, angry. though, about this appointment? I mean, obviously, it depends what her job title is, and although Steve's sort of given us an idea of what it might be, yeah. Scooter Moore wasn't a football person. Uh, he had a different background, and she's got a different background and isn't a football person. That bit worries me, but it depends on whether she's making decisions that are football orientated or purely about branding and uh, and money and stuff. And if she is doing that, then coming in with that background might be ideal because she's worked, she's been a negotiator on television deals. So if it's all about getting the most money from the Premier League, whilst it's not the most important thing in my mind. I can see why that appointment has been made. But if that's to be a football appointment, I had big reservations about Scudamore because he had no background really in football. And it's the same now with the new chief executive. Well, the, she's, she's come from Discovery Animal Planet, which is like monkeys in the jungle. You know, I, I doubt... Attenborough stuff, isn't it? Yeah, 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 all that. So <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't put a direct connection and go, oh, yeah, she'll be perfect for the premiership. No, seems... Well, but if if she's a tough negotiator, that that's probably why they've recruited her. But to go back to what your question yeah, was... Yeah, number, number one on the challenges is the old Super League Super breakaway. League, yeah. So what do you think of it, Ian, the old Super League breakaway? Well, there's different versions of this that have been uh, mentioned, and I don't know which one uh, is the, the most worrying, but they're all worrying to me. Um, essentially, what they're talking about is some clubs, if this, this this is the version that goes through, will completely break away from the Premier League um, and UEFA, really, uh, because uh, obviously there's a possibility that 
the players, if they go and play in this Super League, then won't be allowed to play for their countries because they're under UEFA jurisdiction. It's crazy. And, and they wow. wouldn't actually okay. play at all in the Premier League or La Liga or whichever other league it is. So you would have a completely independent new body controlling this and clubs not playing in their own country, in their own leagues. Now, that to me is just absolute non-starter. Now, if this is this is, wouldn't be something that the new chief executive of the Premier League can do an awful lot about because if they're going to break away, then they're going to break away unless she can persuade them through UEFA, but it becomes really complex, yeah. that there is a different way of doing the Super League, which is an expansion of the Champions League. But then again, I'm against that as well. I think the Champions League as it is now, which is obviously more from the original European Cup into this four from each of the big countries mm-hmm. and the groups. Yeah. I, I, I think that's as far as it should go, personally. It is. It, it would be the biggest thing to happen to football if the if these clubs went away. Not only do you mention the international um, stuff that the players won't be able to play for their clubs, but just the fact that United and, and City or whoever the, the countries the may fan, be. You know, you want, yeah, is I it not going to be a, the fan, the fans it, would hate it? Yeah, they would yeah. hate it. There's, there's also a sense of like boredom about meeting those super teams all the time. You want to bump into like you want to be put up against the rack by by Fulham or something like you would. You know, like the the most exciting thing about the FA Cup is you don't know if the giant killing is going to happen because and that's what that's what is exciting about football mm-hmm. that you don't know thing that. You know, City could turn up at Wolves and just get defense, face defense and defense and defense, and then that one goal at the end of the thing. But if you're playing against Juventus and Real Madrid and Barcelona, it's just this over and over again. It can be a bit icky. It's like this golden, this wonder league that's just so amazing, but it's. Somebody's got to finish bottom of that Wonder League. So that means you get all these rich well, clubs you know, going into you it. Someone's got to finish. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, that might be. We're going to move on because we've got some to talk about. Uh, this is that one, isn't uh, it? Brexit here, and we'll leave the political <laughs> side to it. But the Brexit uh, connotations about the Premier League might mean that the FA want a significant increase in homegrown players. Now, there is a, oh, yeah. a number of homegrown players. I, I might be wrong by thinking it's 12 or 13, but the, one, the FA want to increase the amount of of English players or homegrown talent, so that's someone who's been through the academy uh, to an, uh, a higher number, which I mean, it is 50-50, that's a good the, thing or bad thing, the, I quite the, like it. But there's a way around that, of course. They're just going to put, you'd, you would have to have a player from that academy in the starting eleven. would be the only way to stop it, because they would just say, like United's got a squad of 50 or 60, whatever it is, and you would have like maybe five or ten of those players were from the academy, but they're never going to get a game, are they? Mourinho's never going to play the homegrown stuff. He claims it, but so if you had to have one in the in the starting eleven or two or three, then that would be the only way. But they won't do that, will they? Yeah, the, the trouble is they it's a commercial thing, and at the moment, actually bringing players from other countries is great to spread the brand commercially. I'm not saying that that clubs go and sign a player specifically for that, but in the days, for example, when City had Sun Jiai, who was the Chinese national captain at the time, that was a massive boost to how they could. Uh, market the club around the world. So if suddenly City, United and all the other big cl- clubs are limited to just having homegrown players. The appeal around the world of the brand, which is what the new chief executive of the Premier League is going to be all about, mm-hmm. suddenly is massively diminished. This is going to... I mean, you're right, Steve, in what you're saying about squad numbers. I think 
at the moment you have to put like a squad of 25 in or something. Yeah. But then you can add a lot of players under a certain age that have come through your academy. And you're right, none of those get used. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you're going to make that change, then you've got to do it exactly as you said. But who who is going to agree to that? Are the turkeys going to want to vote for Christmas? I don't think so. No, no. Let's go on to then the TV deals. Um, so obviously it took a bit of a dip the last time the TV rights for the Premier League went up for grabs. Uh, but with more bigger companies such as Facebook and Amazon wanting a buy out of the Premier League, um, obviously TV deal, um, it's Suzanne's job to make sure that the deal is as expensive as it was way, way back in 2013. I mean, for, for, for clubs like United and City, obviously this, this money gets used to buy players. Well, my TV bill's going up. I don't know about yours. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's making money. Someone's making like, money. Co- constant profit. You know, it's the arc is going up. It's never, there's never getting cheaper. So whoever she is and what she's going to do, it's going to be more expensive, make more money, and we're going to foot the bill a little bit. So Having said that, though, I think the trend is down now, and I think mm-hmm. it's going to be very, very difficult to reverse that. You obviously the trend of of, of um, the, the amount League of money football. you're going to get from TV rights because oh, right. people are becoming far more clever and sophisticated. Clearly not you, Steve, but that's understandable. <laughs> um, <laughs> knowing you as I do, but you're um, in my reach. <laughs> people now uh, go online and find streams and constantly, and the more and more people I hear saying. Why am I subscribing to Sky? Why am I subscribing to this? I can find what I want for free online. Now, I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't. I'm not giving an opinion. I'm saying that's the reality of what's happening. So it's getting harder and harder now. The more you put the price up, you'll you'll get to a point where you go, I'm not paying that. And that's when you'll explore the alternatives. It is, and we're going to move on to grassroots football now. Uh, The collapse of the FA's proposal of the sale of Wembley, which is £600 million, uh, will now give the Premier League extra pressure to put more into grassroots football. Now, let me tell you what they do uh, already. They give £24 million annually to the uh, Football Federation, as as well as a a deal uh, that gives um, projects and sports facilities around £100 million per season the FA, uh, no, the Premier League, put into grassroots roots football but it says here on this article uh, she may have got more pressure uh, from politicians and the media to share a bit more now that that deal for Wembley has collapsed because that was going to be oh we're going to put all that money into grassroots football she might have pressure on her to do it but the fact is that the, the, uh, you know the Premier League and, and the top clubs have now done a new deal already before she's come in uh, so that overseas rights from television is going to be more meritorious. So if you finish in the top six, and obviously at the moment we have a top six that are pretty yeah. much always the top six, they, they want a bigger chunk. So they're not saying give it to us. They're saying if we finish in the top six, well, the two things go hand in hand anyway. So they've already done that deal. So it's not filtering down. It's filtering down less and less and less as years go by. Again, those big clubs aren't going to vote for that. The Premier League has to keep those big clubs happy. Mm-hmm. She has a challenge to, to try to make this work. I mean, it's great in theory and, and the figures you mentioned sound impressive, but they're probably still only a drop in the ocean. And do you really notice that difference at grassroots level from the money that comes from Premier League? I don't think so. Let's go now to um, fan relations. This is something that uh, the Football Supporters Federation want to open more direct conversations with the head of uh, the Premier League, just about simple things like 
um, traditions that the the football fans have with the three o'clock kickoffs and the uh, the constant movement of fixtures, which you know we have already tackled. <laughs> um, so that would only be a good thing if Diane, uh, Suzanne, sorry, opens that conversation. Of course it is. I mean, I'm 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 a fan. I'm a journalist. I was a fan for a long, long time. I, I'm a committed match attender. Uh, I go home and away. I always have done, and lots of my mates do that as well. And we, uh, all right, I'm a bit different because I'm a journalist as well, but we, the fans who go week in, week out, are the people now who seem to be more and more at the bottom of the list. She needs to sort that out. But yeah. is she going to be able to do that? The most, the, mo- the, most ex- the most exciting thing I've heard about what possibly might happen for the fans is, is um, standing at stadiums. Well, that, listen, that, we're getting on to that. Don't, we don't, don't ruin my chart already. Don't, oh, don't jump the gun. Oh, uh, we'll move on to agents. Uh, talking about agents' fees. Guess how, many, how much the Premier League clubs paid agents in the past year? A trillion. Do you want to show? <laughs> Two hundred and eleven million pounds. Two hundred and eleven million pounds went into agents' pockets. That's uh, more than double the hundred million you were talking about going to grassroots before. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? See? So you wonder, you wonder, you wonder. Uh, will uh, there be pressure on Susanna to? Uh, to so I don't know what she could possibly do because these agents hold all the key to the to the plays you want. Uh, but that is a ridiculous amount of money going into agents' pockets. Well, it's just another grotesque figure, isn't it? It's just that's just the way football is now, especially in the top six, eight, ten, whatever, wherever United is now. <laughs> top eight, is let's stretch out to the top eight at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just grotesque greed. It's just so much greed, and then, uh, the only reason why teams like City are able to get this level of investment from the Middle East or whatever, and and obviously United have got it from um, America. Let's not pretend. Um, it's because there is an. Im- an obscene amount of profit that can that can be made from this. Let's just get this straight, though. I'm not sticking up. I'm not. I'm not for agents as much as this is going to sound. But let's just break it down into what it is. Right. I come in to talk to Joe, and I say I want a rise, but because I don't want to look him in the eye, and because I don't want to have that uncomfortable feeling, I appoint you, Steve, as my agent, and you yeah. you get me double what I got before, and I go. Thanks for doing that, Steve, because I would have never got that. And I'm going to say to you, you have a bit of it. Yeah, let's have a bit of that. That's essentially what agents are. So, so, so they're acting on behalf of the players. Double your wage to 50 quid. <laughs> so good. I'll take um, seven for I'll take that now. <laughs> a couple more to go through. Uh, actually, another f- uh, safe standing. That's what you wanted to yes, talk about. Yes, safe standing. Um, yes. Richard Scudamore, the, uh, the previous boss that obviously uh, Susanna will be taking over from, says that each club should have their uh, own say on if they should bring in safe standard or not. Obviously, the government have the final say. Um, do you think it will happen soon, Ian? I think they'll bring in the rail standing where you stand in one position. So you, so it's still essentially a seat which is folded up, which is not an awful lot different than what people do now. So in the south stand at City, there, there are certain areas behind the goal and around the corner next to the away fans where they stand up anyway and they stand up in essentially in their seat yeah. position. So the only thing that's going to change if they bring that in is basically there will be a rail in front of you which in theory makes the standing in a seated area a bit safer and people who want it to go a little bit further and return to the terraces as they do in the Bundesliga in Germany, mm. to give an example, I don't think they'll get that. 
personally. Let's move on then to gambling. Nine of the Premier League uh, 20 clubs have gambling companies on their shirt sponsor this season. Every um, advert in between is gambling. you got Ray Winston popping up, telling you the odds, this, that and the other. That is so... I find it quite offensive. And could you imagine if you had a gambling problem, mm-hmm. you couldn't watch that without it getting in your head. Ooh. There'll be certain teams, even with, with gambling uh, brands on their shirt. And for them to say at the end... Oh, just just gamble safely. That that's our caveat. We're out now. That's it done. If you don't gamble safely, that's your problem. It doesn't work like that. It's put. It's like putting millions and millions of people drinking in in, in front of an alcoholic. He's gonna start thinking, I might fancy. But you drink know, safely. But drink safely and responsibly. Drink mm. responsibly, Ian. Mm. That's just final one. To you, we'll see what happens uh, down the line. There. Final one is VAR. Um, obviously not voted in this season, uh, but could be coming into into play next year. And so it should. I mean, uh, most recently that Liverpool Fulham game where Fulham it looks yeah. as if they'd scored, and, it, and when you watch it over and over again, you think that's got to have been given. It, it, there was so much doubt, uh, and then they go on the other end and score a goal straight away. Liverpool, if VAR had come in, that wouldn't have happened, would it? It is time for VAR to come in. My objection to it previously has been my fear that there is a long debate and it breaks up the flow of the game and the wrong things to go to VAR. To me, that one was pretty clear because there was no clear decision. How can you get... You can't give an offside unless they're clearly offside. So, yeah, that's that's one of them. Mm-hmm. The, way, the way to deal with it, and it seems like the issue at the World Cup was uh, it was just it just pit waiting, this waiting where the guy goes to the little screen, pulls his canopy over, probably has a bit of a bite of a sandwich while he's watching <laughs> and all that stuff, is just assign it to an additional referee. He makes the decision. It comes back. I think they do something similar in rugby. Whatever the rugby do, send the message back to him. That was a penalty. That was a thing. Give the guy a card for diving. Uh, and move on. That would just re- that would just get rid of minutes of waiting. Well, we've tackled Susanna's big debates, and we've got to take a little break uh, of our own. Can you uh, a meeting with her, and we can put all these. Yeah, I think she must listen to the Wednesday Club. Hopefully, we'll have a bit of influence on the on what's going to happen to the Premier League. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Access Manchester. This is the Wednesday Club. We'll be right back after this with our team of the week, and they are Manchester Futsal Club. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Simon right after this. Hello and welcome back to the Wednesday Club on XS Manchester, the Manchester Football Social. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Joe McGrath. I've got Steve Shonyaski representing the red side uh, of oh. Manchester. Uh, opposite me, looking lovely as always. <laughs> Shining you. face. Yeah. Uh, and then Ian Cheeseman as well. Hello, Ian. Right. Glowing the with cheese. Uh, every week we do uh, Team of the Week. So this is something where we celebrate a club uh, in our region of Greater Manchester that aren't the big, you know, rich millionaire clubs of the Premier League type. Uh, but just want to come on and let you know what they do. So if you fancy getting involved in, in what they are about, it's just as simple as them coming on and letting you know how to get stuck in. We have Simon from the Manchester Futsal Club uh, on the line. Hello, Simon. Are you good? Hi there, guys. How are you doing? I'm uh, very well, thanks. Hello. Simon, tell us all about Manchester Futsal Club. What is it you do? What is it you're about? Uh, uh, just basically a little synopsis of the cl- club you work for. 
Great. Well, uh, Manchester Football Club started around about 12 years ago. Uh, futsal, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, is, uh, is a small-sided football game. Um, it's played around the world. Uh, currently, globally, there's around about 60 million people that play futsal. Um, and it's it's uh, an indoor, uh, small-sided game, uh, very technical, very exciting. Uh, and it's the game that a lot of uh, youngsters have grown up with, uh, certainly in Spain, South America, uh, parts of the world. And, and they've used futsal to develop their their, their football skills. Um, so some of the top players that we see now playing globally uh, will have started with futsal. Um, if we relate that into sort of Manchester, probably uh, the likes of Bernardo Silva, those types of players have, have grown up with this sport. So the club is a vehicle for developing the sport in Manchester. Uh, we represent the city on, on a national level. Uh, we have players that go and represent the England national futsal team. So uh, yeah, we're, we're all about trying to get futsal uh, higher up the profile and making, making sure Manchester is a successful city. Yeah, indeed. And uh, so it's different to a, a normal football game. It's played inside, isn't it, as well, if I'm right? It's, a, it's an indoor game, yeah. Obviously, in, in warmer climates uh, outside of Manchester, then certainly, yeah, you can, you can play outdoors, but primarily indoor sport uh, played on a, a marked court, handball goals, uh, and, and ultimately, yeah, they, they have defining factors on, on the speed and the pace of the game. I was watching a bit of futsal, actually, the other day on TV, and... If you don't realise this, it basically you, you can visualise a six-a-side or five-a-side, maybe a veterans game where you use the boards as a wall, but you don't use that in futsal, do you? You know there is actually just a line, so it makes it even harder to keep the ball in play. So if I can draw an analogy in the derby match, sorry to bring that up again, no, but when City were toying with, <laughs> with United with the little triangles and yeah. everything, that was classic futsal, wasn't it? I, I would say so. I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Uh, like, like you've mentioned, we played to, uh, to mark lines, so we have kick-ins. When the ball goes out, uh, it's kicked back in to return it into play. Players have four seconds to get the ball back into play. It's all about playing in, in tight spaces, uh, quick decision-making, uh, and, and very technical in that respect. So the players that you had in that little corner uh, are all very gifted technically, uh, but can make quick decisions in small spaces. I would suggest, Simon, that you get yourself down to Carrington and offer your services in some way, shape or form to Fellaini and Mata and whoever else was upset. Just go to that footage of that little triangle at the end of the game and get all them and, and say and teach them futsal. So it's, six, it's five or six players, is it? You have five players on a court uh, yep. at any one time, so four outfield and one goalkeeper, uh, but you have 12 players in a squad international level you can go up to 14 but 12 players uh, and you have rolling substitutes so you can rotate substitutions at any time within the game uh, that may be one player two players or even four outfield players at any point in time is it one touch as well or is it does that Multiple not matter touch. Uh, multiple touch so yeah you can take as many touches as you want the ball is allowed to go overhead high a big key difference is is the ball itself uh, it's a size 4 ball so slightly smaller than the, the size 5 that we see uh, played in adult football and it's a heavier ball uh, so the ball really does it's played along the ground at a very uh, fast pace uh, and you know ultimately people adjust their technique to play with that type of ball so if I want to um, to come down uh, to Manchester Futsal, how is it that people can approach you to get involved in, w in what you do? 
Obviously, the easiest way is to, is to go uh, online and, and look at our website. So it's manchesterfutsal.com or on Twitter uh, at MFC underscore futsal. Now, we have opportunities from kids uh, age 8 all the way through to 16. Uh, that We have 16 to 18, which is our development team, which are the guys that have, uh, we're talking about for Team of the Week this week. Uh, we also have a women's team. Uh, so we have lots of opportunities for, for kids from throughout uh, Manchester to come and get involved. If they want to come and see some live futsal, all of our games are played at the National Cycling centre um, you know come in you can see a live futsal played uh, and see obviously what the level and the skill of, of these players that are playing futsal at the highest level uh, Simon thank you very much for getting in touch what is it on your Twitter as well you can uh, go find them on Facebook uh, so when's the next time you're going to be uh, getting down there and watching a live game uh, so our next game is on the 25th of November. Uh, that's against uh, Cambridge United. That'll be a 2.30 kickoff. And we play at the National Cycling Centre. So inside the, the cycling arena, we've got a full-size futsal court there. It'll be great to see some more people come down and, and see what futsal is all about and, and supporting the lads. Simon, thank you very much for coming on the Wednesday Club. We'll give you a time to access Manchester. Uh, go check them out. Uh, thank you, Simon. Cheers, Simon. Thanks for your time. Cheers, guys. Thank Cheers, you. Hey, that was Simon there. And if you want to be a team of the week, uh, message us on Twitter, access Manchester. Um, I'll just get in touch say I fancy being team of the week and we'll get you on and we'll just do what we did there and have a little chat with you You think that, you? I, I'm just thinking that heavy foot, that little heavy football is probably what United have been training their uh, corners with because every time I see them they're launching it over everyone's head it's driving me mad the, the corner in at United is terrible so that, that's the only explanation I have for that we I are going to go sorry Ian no 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 I'm, I'm just enjoying listening to Steve <laughs> Before we leave, uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Good. Um, let's talk about maybe uh, Wayne Rooney, uh, international break. What did we all make of that being what called up to? What, what's going on? Is that, what Steve, is that? as a United fan, I mean, do you... He's retired from international football, right? This is what I, what I thought. And now he's going back to play for England for what one game. What do you make game? of it, Ian? I just find it amazing. I mean, he's gone, that's it, finished, draw a line under it. And at first he announced it as if they're going to raise money for his foundation. And then it turns out that in the small print it says, well, we'll be shaking a few tins. He's not actually getting any of the money from the gate receipts, even though that's clearly what's been done to try to boost ticket sales for England against the US, which is a friendly and not many people seem to be interested in going to. But if we make it into a testimonial and claim that we're helping the Wayne Rooney uh, Foundation until somebody exposes that actually it's just shaking a few tins, it was working. I went to Rooney's testimonial. And I still want my money back. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'll give, yeah. I'll give it to his charity, but I want it back. It was He played for about <coughs> 10 minutes, went off. It's the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, apart from Sunday. Apart from Sunday. <laughs> no, from that, United was, that was horrifying. There's a difference. <laughs> I don't mind horrifying. Horrifying isn't boring, but boring is, is, is tragic, yeah. The, United, it, the derby wasn't that. We almost scored. I enjoyed it. Twice. We almost scored in open play. I'm having that. We had one hey. shot on goal. <laughs> if the keeper wasn't in the net that would have been the big one that would have been the one right we're going to leave uh, leave it to it uh, I just want to mention if you've not seen Marion Flaney's new haircut head over to MCR 40 Social he's got rid of uh, the afro it's gone he's got like a now new shaven head I just think this is all this they're trying to deal with it in their own little ways you know like Herrera's put a message we mourn but we carry on or something on Twitter that doesn't that doesn't help us win does it getting your hair cut David Moyes got it right we need to be more like Manchester City so they'll all be copying Aguero's new new stylish haircut how we're going to end this week's show blue rinse mate Uh, we're going to end this week's show um, by a simple game Uh, so a referee has been suspended for three weeks he has um, went out to the pitch he forgot his coin 
coin for the toss at the start of the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he made everyone so do a insulting. game so of insulting. rock, paper, scissors. This is uh, David McNamara. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's been now suspended for three weeks. So what we're going to do, uh, this is great for radio, but I'll commentate, <laughs> to see who is the winner now, of this say, week's Wednesday Club. I am amazing at this. I actually won a trip in a jet fighter, scissors, paper, stone, dressed in front of the uh, Blackbird Buccaneer in South Africa. So there's a chance, man, you're going to lose. Steve and Ian are going to do rock, paper, scissors. Right, what are the rules do it goes? Rock, paper, and yeah. scissors, One, two, you show. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So are you ready? I'm Ian ready. Cheeseman ready. against Steve Shanyaski. Who's going to win? I'll do it. Rock, paper... No, hang on oh. a sec. Go are on. you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, 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 oh. Ian Cheeseman yeah. is the winner just Cheese like Manchester the winners. thank yes. you very much for listening <laughs> go get the podcasts of the Manchester Football Social all week Steve thank you very much for getting beat twice oh thank uh, you and Ian Cheeseman enjoy uh, the victory it, Steve. this has been the Wednesday Club we'll return next week from 6pm thank you very much for listening step into the world of power loyalty and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details